Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Now, uh... Jesse said earlier, we have a special guest with us this weekend. Tom Agam is the president of Hope for Kids International. Um, we have partnered with Tom almost from the very beginnings of Northgate. And we have been together through all of the ups and downs of Hope for Kids ministry and our ministry and life together. And uh, he's just been a good, good personal friend of mine and a good friend of Northgate. I think we've had over 100 people go on different mission trips with Hope for Kids. This last summer, we took 30 with us to Uganda. And would you please give a warm, warm welcome to Tom Egham. Nice. (laughs) Wow. Well, happy Thanksgiving weekend. I usually know where I am on Thanksgiving weekend since it's been like 24 out of the last 25 years that I've been here, but I'm a little lost until I see Betty there and a few other people. Then I know I'm at Northgate. Wow, what changes we've seen over the years. And I just had a thought, uh, listening to Ken talk about generous giving. I truly believe because from the beginning, you have been an outward-looking church to those people in need around the world. That's why God is blessed in this way. I truly believe that. I don't think we can outgive God. I think when we are generous, He is generous toward us and all of that. So thank you, Northgate, for your partnership. And as you heard, uh, your walk uh, was able to raise enough for nine deep water wells in Uganda. You, you, you can't imagine the life that brings. Immediately when we drill one of those wells, cholera disappears and lives are changed uh, and and given life, actually. Many children are given life because of that. So thank you for your partnership in, any, in, in all of those ways. Uh, thank you for your love for uh, us and, and Hope for Kids over the years and your deep, deep partnership of going with us and sponsoring children and doing the wells and the Walk for Waters and all of that. And we appreciate the, the prayers. Uh, God's hand uh, of mercy is continues on me. Many of you have prayed for me over the years as cancer uh, resurfaced again and again. And I can just tell you, this has been a good year for me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Still, uh, my main physician shakes his head. He thought things would be happening about uh, 18 months ago. And I'm three years out from that last treatment. And and, uh, he said to me, I see on Facebook all those Africans praying for you. I have a feeling that's something to do with it. And and as we already heard today, they they do love God and know how to pray. So thank you for that. And then also in my family this year, uh, my uh, 12-year-old daughter just turned 13. Uh, She had brain surgery in March, and many of you were praying for her. And and I'm so grateful. We live uh, only about an hour from Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and we're so grateful we were, you know, had the best uh, uh, pediatric neurosurgeon to, to uh, treat her, and she's doing very well. Um, uh, she loves to put together PowerPoints on her iPad, and not long before she went into surgery, uh, she put a PowerPoint together. Uh, and... Uh, it was all about her fears, everything she was afraid of. I mean, you're 12, you're going to have brain surgery. And she honestly wrote it all out. And then her final slide was, but I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. Wow. Well, a few weeks ago, she came to me and said, Dad, don't be offended. Don't be defensive. But I put a PowerPoint together for you. Seven ways to improve your speaking. So, here we go. (laughs) She said, one of the things, when you speak at a church where you've been before, you think everybody knows about Hope for Kids. So you tell a little bit, you don't tell enough about it, and then you start preaching. So you need to put together, you know, a PowerPoint. So let me show you the PowerPoint, okay? (laughs) See see if if these uh, pictures will, will give you a little better glimpse of, of who Hope for Kids is, because many of you are here for the, hearing about us for the first time. Hope 4, number 4 in it, the 4 represents the 4 ways we bring hope. Dignity, health, joy, and love. And whatever fits in that category, we are trying to, trying to be able to bring hope in that way. Uh, we take short-term teams. Now, people say, I don't want to go on a short-term team because it, you can't have an impact or whatever. Our teams are a week to two weeks. One of the things we love to say is our short-term mission teams add to our long-term goals. We have long-term goals. We don't commit to be someplace for a, a short time and take pictures and then say we're in another country. We make at least a five-year commitment. That Uh, picture you saw, there was a lot of youth travel with us down to Guatemala. It's an easier trip to get to, and we help kids on the track there. This is, see the railroad track behind me there? And we sponsor kids there, and it's it's a life changer for for those kids living in that poverty. Many of you have heard us talk about Uganda, because that's the center of our, our mission. We actually have an NGO there, a non governmental organization, with more employees there than we have at our headquarters in Arizona. And uh, it's where most of, of our ministry happens. And, and um, part of that is we partner with Feed My Starving Children. We're on their A-plus list be, because of our financial accountability. They'll give us all the food we want. All we have to do is pay the shipping. So we ship uh, about a million meals around the world each year to a number of destinations. I was recently in uh, the Philippines, and here we are in one of our remote areas uh, feeding uh, children who are in desperate need uh, in the Philippines. We'll be going back there in February again if anybody wants to go with me. Uh, Many of you sponsor children. In fact, it started here 14 years ago. Uh, I came back from Uganda with 100 profiles. I was in Montana one weekend, and I had about 50, and I came here, and the other 50 were sponsored. And it really, truly uh, changes the lives of these kids. A dollar a day, $31 a month. You can sponsor a child and then travel with us and meet your children. And I have nine that I'm sponsoring right now, and I love to visit those children all over the world. It changes their, 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 their hope. You get to go stick a sticker on their face if you want to, whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, Nicole, I think I've seen you do that a couple times. Uh, uh, then, uh, but it truly changes them. Now, one of the things that I hope you've noticed, for you that have heard me over these many years, that I don't like to show pictures of kids in rags. I'm not looking for your pity. I want you to see the potential. These kids in Calcutta, India are the poorest kids I know on the planet. You'd never know it by looking at the picture. 
It wasn't until I went to see where they lived how I realized how poor they were, living seven, nine people in a small one-room shack. In Africa, at least they can go find a mango or a banana or pull up leaves or grass and have something to eat. Here they have nothing. But these kids are in a school where they're learning English, where they're learning manners, where they're learning about business, and it's changing their life. They will break the cycle of poverty because we believe education does it. But look at those kids. You see how beautiful they are? That's what I want you to see. It breaks the cycle of poverty. So our kids are educated. That's, that's our goal in our sponsorship is that they have to be in school. As long as they're in school, we'll sponsor them. I don't care if they're 30 years old. If they're still in school, we'll sponsor them. And we'll find ways to make sure they get through uh, the university or whatever. Part of that health part that we respond to, besides drilling wells, is our medical outreaches. We're improving those. In fact, we just had a, a global health conference that uh, some of our staff members attended in, in Kentucky to learn how to, we can be more effective. So if you're a medical person, you could come with us. But this is the big one. This is what many of you have walked for in, in your walk for waters. This is a typical source of water filled with disease, killing kids. In this area of Africa, 52% of the kids die before their fifth birthday, mostly because of that. And so what we do is we drill a well for about $10,100. We can drill a deep water well, 150, even to 600 feet deep. And uh, here's an example. It's a hand pump because there are no electricity in these areas, and this is the most effective way to bring, bring them water. Uh, we recently, uh, our lemonaders, their children that uh, sell lemonade to raise money, we've uh, drilled three wells in their honor, and, and this one was in Bangladesh. Um, the joy they have, for many of you who've traveled with us, you've seen, they celebrate, they, they get crazy, they give you goats and chickens and everything else. So uh, one of our destinations is Namibia, that's in Southwest Africa. If you want to go work for two weeks, this is the one. I love this trip. I love doing the physical labor. We're looking for electricians. We're looking for plumbers. We're looking for painters, people who can lay brick. We are refurbishing places where children are living in deplorable conditions. I have three of them done out of 19. I have 16 left, and I'm really hoping some of you will go with me in August to that. We've been in Romania since I used to smuggle Bibles there in the 70s. We're now uh, uh, focusing on the gypsy or the Romas, the untouchables of Europe, and education them and building churches for them. Uh, it's life-changing, we've seen. Uh, this past Tuesday, I just got back from another trip to Cuba. We go down there several times a year now. I like to ride in the old cars. That's, that's part of why I go. But anyway, uh, uh, we're, we're teaching our children. We sponsored kids down there. We're teaching them English. I was just with some staff from the uh, Troy University, and we're setting up a system where students can go down and, and teach our kids English. So when uh, tourism floods in there, our kids will be able to be employed with great jobs. In the Philippines, as I mentioned, this is the place we sponsor and stuff. So how is that for a nutshell? Was it okay? All right, okay, all right. All right. Today I want to, now I want to preach, okay? <laughs> uh, I want to talk about something that's kind of interesting to me because I've always felt like I'm a mission motivator speaker or whatever, and I like to motivate people to get involved in uh, helping those in need in your communities and around the world, but this really puts an interesting twist on it, and it's the emphasis of prayer, that prayer has in us responding and going into the world. 
And, and uh, prayer is, I mean, we know how important prayer is. I mean, I start most every day, most every day, praying a simple prayer. I say, first of all, loving God, because I believe He is. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And for the cr- cross and resurrection of Jesus. It's all I have. That's it, right there. And then I say, thank you for another day to serve you. And I pray for our staff around the world. I pray for pastors. I pray for Betty that she can put up with Ken. Uh, (laughs) Is it working? Okay. Uh, I pray for my family, which is a large family. And uh, I just set it out there and say, okay, God, what's today? I recently read that prayer is getting in tune with God and His heart. Prayer is getting in tune with God and His heart. I've seen amazing answers to prayer. I, I think the fact I'm standing here is amazing. It's amazing. God's mercy, God's hand of favor. I don't know why. Why me? But I'm grateful. I remember uh, when I first started in this ministry 43 years ago, I smuggled Bibles into the Soviet Union during the Cold War and when it was illegal and all of that. And, and uh, the first family I met to deliver Bibles to um, stopped us on the street in Moscow, and uh, it was a young girl and her father, and I, I followed them to their apartment and later said, how did you know we were coming with Bibles? Oh, she said, like, matter-of-factly, uh, two days ago my papa was in prayer, and God told him, two American boys will bring bread, the bread of life. I'm like, whoa, how's that work? I thought I had all the faith to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union. But I soon realized it was the other way around. They walked a walk. And she said, oh, when we have our meetings, we never say where the meeting will go- is going to be. We always say, you go home and pray. Because she said there could be informers there. So she said, if Jesus wants you in the meeting, he'll tell you. I'd end up at 7-Eleven or something like that. <laughs> Having a big gulp or whatever they have there. <laughs> and she told stories of walking to an apartment, never have been there before, knocking on a door, and the door would open, their believers waiting. Whew. Oh, I know prayer works. I know it's a big part of this whole walking with Christ thing. I remember one time in El Salvador, there was an awakening in the Catholic Church there and a, and a move of the Holy Spirit. And I was invited to speak for 21 days in, in San Salvador and in some of the areas there in the Catholic churches. And it had been going really well. One night I got to a church and I had a mix-up with my translator and he didn't show up. So I said, well, to the priest, I said, well, why don't we just worship and share some testimonies together and say it was a good night? And he said, oh, no. If God sent you from America, he's got something to say. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, but when the, when the translator doesn't show up, your faith's going to, you know, I'm trying to protect them. So they pray. They're, 
mighty rushing wind of, of sound as they're praying. After a few minutes, the priest goes down the, the aisle about halfway and opens the, they open the door and look, and there's someone coming down the sidewalk. And the guy basically said, I'm here to translate, but I'm not sure why. Now, they're not even surprised. And I'm like, whoa, what do I say? What do I have to say to these poor people of weak faith? Oh, I've seen story. I can tell story after story. I know the power of prayer. Now, in Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, it says, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Verse 38, what does he say? Not get out there and get them. Now you're motivated. You've seen their need. Go. That's what I do. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, he's saying, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will move people's hearts and send them. That is awesome. That's so often missing. And here's my concern. Who of us is so in tune with God that we can even hear what He's saying? So often our giving or our going or our doing, whether it's local or internationally, is because I have a little leftover. I can do something. Or we've been blessed, so I want to bless. What if God is saying, a whole lot more than that. I remember 14 years ago, coming back from Uganda that first time, so moved by so many sick children, so many people in need, and I came back home and I, I felt like God had spoken to my heart about building a clinic, about building a church, about drilling a well and sponsoring 100 children. And I met with my pastor and I said, I want to know, do you think this is just me? Or is it God? And I told him about this, and he stopped me. And he said, well, wait a second. Do you have any money? That's a good question. I said, no. Our ministry is actually in the red. We can't even pay our staff. He said, good. He said, then you know that's what God has called you to do. It's so impossible that it has to be God. It's not something you're going to be able to do on your own. And he said in the scripture, whenever God called someone, he always called them above their faith. And you can think of a number of people God used and it was way above their faith, way above their, their, their abilities, and way above their resources. Then you know it's God that provides and I'm telling you, when I look back now and, and, and realize last summer when we were in, in, in Uganda, we were talking about our 437th well in Uganda. That's 
Conservatively speaking, that's providing water for over 4 million people. Wow! Never thought that happened. Didn't have any money. How many villages did we, did we sponsor? How many clinics have we built? And now almost 3,000 children around the world. Wow! That's so far above anything I could have imagined. It would have been so easy to say, we can't do it. No money. But God, when, when you get in tune with God and you say, God, what do you want me to do? It's going to be greater than anything you've ever thought possible. In fact, if you're not saying, oh, no, that's not happening, you probably didn't hear God. Seriously. And then you think, well, what about me? I, I'm a single mom, or I, I don't have a lot, or I'm this or that, or whatever. We've all got our excuses. We make excuses all the time. That's the first thing that comes out of our mouth. But I can't, but this, but that, that's not working out well. I can't do that. Listen. What's he saying? What's he telling us to do? There's a Chinese proverb that says, if you think you are too small to make a difference... Try spending a night in a closed room with a mosquito. <laughs> Come to Uganda, I'll show you how to do that. <laughs> Our excuses. Uh, here, here, finally, this is my last, last deal. I, I, I think this is what stops a lot of us. We, we look at ourselves and we, we think, God, you can't use me. Use her or him and... And I loved one of the lines in the song we sang earlier. It says, you don't want perfection, only my attention. Boy, that's exactly it. Because if we wait till we're perfect, forget it. None of us can be used. I mean, that's part of the amazing thing about the gospel. That it's the best news ever. And God wants to have you be his vessel. I hope you catch this because the biggest temptation about being in this beautiful building now is going, ha, ah, this is awesome. This is mine. This is where we are. And forget about those outside the walls. There are many people in your community, in your, in your area, around the world that need to hear the good news of Christ like never before. And for us, a lot of what we do is practical things. We see more people come to Christ in a village because we drill a well than your evangelism crusades. Because see, here's how they look at it. When they see they're dying and sick and everything, and they go, God doesn't love us. But when they get a well, it's like, God loves us. How did he find us in this remote place? It shows them that God loves them. So many times, words are not going to affect people, but the actions will. One final scripture that's so powerful, and I'm two minutes left, so I can't read the whole thing, but it's from Isaiah 6, 1, and I'll just jump down to, well, one of my favorite parts. Actually, the verses ahead are more favorite, but anyway, I can't. Uh, <laughs> verse 5, he's seen the holy God. Isaiah saw the holy God. This is Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And when he sees how holy God is, he says, Woe to me! I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
know, this, I often think of this, when people think they can ever be good enough for God, I go, you haven't seen our holy God. Because our God is so holy, we can't stand for a second in His presence on our own perfections. Our own righteousness, it says, is filthy rags. You can never be good enough. You can never do too much to, for God to say, okay, now we're good. It's all because of the cross. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for, and that's the cross. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. So if you're going to be in tune, you've got to deal with this first. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Wow. This is personal to me. My mom... Uh, and dad came to Christ when I was a little baby. I uh, was pretty tough backgrounds. Uh, it wasn't until I went off to Bible college in Los Angeles and came back about a year later, and I was speaking at a, a women's event in our little hometown in north central Iowa. My mom was attending. That afterward, I was talking about the cross and grace and all of that, and my mom stood up and said, because of my background of multiple divorces, I was never fully accepted in our church. I couldn't play the piano, and I couldn't teach Sunday school. But today, I realized in God's full acceptance and forgiveness of me. Whew. You know, a couple days later, she led her first person to Christ in almost 20 years. Wow. See, this is why I believe this is so important. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, then listen, and you'll know you've heard His voice when it is so big that you know you'll fail on your own. Only God can do it. Are you with me? Wow, let's pray. Loving God, thank you so much. It's amazing. First of all, the gospel that we can stand as your righteousness in your holy presence. And you take us from all walks of life. And then you choose us to be the mosquitoes of the world. To make a difference in our communities. Now God, we pray that we will hear you. Be in tune. So we truly know the Lord of the harvest is sending us out. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we surrender. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Tom. We are about to enter a very busy season. And uh, you tend to get very uh, uh, caught up in presents that need to be bought and run, errands that need to be run and all these other things. And, and I think this is a good word for us as we enter into a busy season to remind ourselves to pause, to take some time, to reflect on His goodness and grace to us and to be open to what He might be speaking to us. So would you stand with me? We
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may